Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are dedicated to helping you live your best life. And it's a journey that we call pursuing limitless life in Jesus. And we're doing it all for one reason, so that our lives can impact the world. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Who else is excited about the year 2020, though? Something about it, you know, just the way it sounds, 2020. Like, I'm expecting such great things this year. Last year was a good year. It was a good year for me, anyway. And uh, I think this year is going to be amazing. I think we all should be thinking for good things. And that's why I love this series. It's time, because it's time to get moving. And that's what Pastor Kate has been uh, getting onto, you know, with a beep, beep. You know, get get moving. (laughs) Quit sitting there at the stoplight. I mean... And, uh, but who else, after that, that sermon he did on uh, Choose Joy, did anyone else have a really trying week that very next week? <laughs> Seriously, that, that very next week. Mm. I was like, I guess I needed a real-life uh, application for that one to sink in, I guess. But luckily, that's over with now. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, since I wasn't in a hurry, right? I procrastinated on making the notes, so there are no notes today. <laughs> they didn't get done in time. But, uh, but today we're going to start with our series core scripture for the series that is, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. All right, well, this is John the Baptist speaking it, and Jesus actually says the exact same thing later in the uh, book of Matthew. But the word repent just comes from the Greek word mataneo, and it just means to change the way you think. That's all that means. And so repentance is simply changing the way you think, followed by corresponding action. Right? So this verse also follows up saying, the kingdom of heaven is near. That means it is no longer a future event. When it says it's near, it means it's near. Right? It's happening now. This was true 2,000 years ago. It is true now. The kingdom of heaven is near. So we can now invite Jesus into our lives. And when we do that, uh, we'll see in Colossians 2.11, It says, when you come to Christ, you are circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Amen. No longer a part of us. So good. Our sinful nature has been removed. So any desire to sin is coming from the flesh because your spirit man is born again, right? So that's why we need to renew our mind because sinful desires come from an unrenewed mind. So that's why this says, Change the way you think by the renewing of your mind because the kingdom of heaven is near. It's God, God made a way. Amen. He's such a good God. So again, beep, beep, everybody. It's time to get in to God's word and change the way we think. It's time to get moving into the future that God has called us to. And uh, that's why I love this next verse. I know you guys have heard it before. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Mm, So good. This verse is so powerful because it really shows us uh, what God has for us, right? Some of us in here today need to hear that God has a future for you, which should give you hope, a hope and a future, right? God has such good plans for Amy. He has such good plans for Mason back there. In fact, it's Mason's birthday today. Woo! <laughs> so if we stand on God's word, we can turn his hope 
We can turn the hope that we have into faith and see the manifestation of what God has for us. Because for the word says, now the uh, faith is the substance of those things hoped for, the evidence of those things not seen. So God has such a good plan for your life, but we have to get into his word to see what that plan is. And then we have to put trust in him daily, right? Well, Jeremiah uh, goes on to say, this is still a word from God. He said, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me and you will search for me with all your heart. Hmm. Well, this promise was given to a people while they still had 70 years left in captivity. They're in Babylonian captivity, right? They had 70 years left. And what God was telling his people, he said, listen, you're going to be held captive for 70 years, but I will not forget you because I know the thoughts that I have toward you. I know the plan that I have for you. And it's to bring you a future. It's to bring you a hope, right? And so after those 70 years, he says, you will call upon me. But thankfully, we do not live in the old covenant today. Amen. So we don't have to wait 70 years because we live in the new covenant. And uh, we may have lived in captivity in the past, but God is telling us we don't have to do that. And we don't have to wait 70 years either. We can find freedom today. So the moment you invite Jesus into you, you are set free. You're not a captive anymore. Then he says, when you search for me with all of your heart, you will find me. Our God is a relational God. He wants us to seek him out. He wants a relationship with us. Uh, we were made to live life together. We weren't made to go it alone. Uh, and so, I mean, right off the bat, you go look in Genesis. You know, God creates all the creation. He says everything is good, but then he looks at man and says, but it's not good that man should be alone. And he created Eve, right? Right off the bat. And then he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the day. So there was, look, we were made for relationship. That's why we were created. So the things God can do through us, uh, through the church, when we are united, it's infinite. Just like our church's core scripture, Ephesians 3.20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us. Our pastor has highlighted that word for us, us. To accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think, right? But one of the most Powerful examples of unity in the Bible is actually the Tower of Babel, right? Now, it didn't go so well for them, but let's take a look what happened when a people are united, okay? This is Genesis 11, 1 through 6, and it says, At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there, and they began to say to each other, Let's make bricks and harden them with fire. They said, come, let us build a great city for ourselves. So you see, it was self-motivated. God was not involved. With a tower that reaches into the sky, this will make us famous. Again, their motives are wrong. And keeps us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. So this must have been like a massive building project, you know. You get God's attention. God's like, what are they doing down there? <laughs> So God comes, God comes down and he says, look, he said, the people are united. They all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Wow. So when we are united, nothing will be impossible for us. 
There's also a whole other message in here about the power of the tongue. Ain't that crazy? I mean, out of all the things God could have done to stop this building from being built, he took away their speech. They couldn't communicate with each other anymore. Mm, Don't have time for that, though. Okay. But unfortunately, it, uh, it seems like that the, the enemy has a, does a little better job of this than we do as being united in their speech. Because if, just like in the t- uh, days of Babel, there are big groups of people who are united and they promote evil and ungodliness. Um, just look at the shifts that we've had in our culture today. Look at, just for the past few decades, the, the, ma- the major shifts that our culture has seen. The mainstream media, look at what they're, what they're pumping out. It's just these, these people that have the same ideas, they have the same speech, and they're accomplishing a lot, and it's not for the kingdom of God. So if we, the church, not just, not just a church, but the, ch- the church could latch onto this, we would be an unstoppable force for God. But it all starts with us individually. We have to make a choice as individuals to meet with like-minded believers and stand in agreement with each other. Together is better. <laughs> right? So this is, uh, this is where you would start filling out your note cards had I done them. Okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> so Hebrews... 1023 through 25 tells us, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope, with that hope in our future, the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So together is God's plan. Right? If we want to live the best life that God has for us, we've got to know that it's together. Uh, and so life, life is always easier together anyway. Because like, I run a small business. When I say small business, I mean I'm the only employee. So <laughs> that's pretty small, right? Well, this means I'm doing a lot of stuff by myself. And if I just had one other person there, uh, life would be a whole lot easier. But uh, I just run a steel shop, so I get a lot of these big, like, 5-foot by 10-foot sheets of steel in, and I needed some way to organize them to keep them. They're just kind of stacked up on the ground. I, was, I needed a way to organize them. So I got these big, uh, these big racks. They're 14 feet tall, and they're just big hunks of steel. And they're just like an—it takes three legs, so they're kind of like an L shape, and there's three of them. So I have to uh, stack three of these up on the wall, and then they will hold my material. Well, this was just a couple weeks ago, right? This was— this was uh, recently here. These things are super heavy, right? I mean, they're meant to hold steel, so they have to be, they have to be beefy themselves. Luckily, my sister helped me load them up the first time, and then Brian Dover, actually shout out to that guy, I don't know if he's in here or not, he helped me load them on a trailer again. But then when I was unloading them in my shop, I was alone, as I often am. All right, so I take some big pipe, because you can roll heavy stuff on pipe. I take a big pipe, and I was rolling it off. It was going slow, but it was going, right? And then as soon as I get it off the trailer, it just kind of tips over real slow. I can see it tipping, but you can't do anything about it because it's so heavy. You can't stop it. And it just like knocks over my ductwork on my machine. I was like, no. Uh, this was the week after the, the Choose Joy sermon. You remember me telling you that? It was the week right after that. I'm telling you. And I was like, it's not a big deal. 
I'm going to choose joy. And I did, I did a pretty good job at choosing joy that day. But, but I, was, I was actually in a hurry that week because I had so much stuff to do. And now that's just one other thing I have to do now. I have to repair this ductwork. But, uh, ah, okay. But I finally got it off the trailer. And then I got uh, kind of figured it out, and I got another one off the trailer. So I got two of them off the trailer. I got them stood up and in place, right? That one went a little bit smoother. Total time was about two hours to do this, right? Uh, and a lot of that time was me stepping back and thinking, what is the safest way I can do this without <laughs> crushing me or my equipment? But, uh, but it, was, it was late in the evening, I got two up. I'm like, I'll do that third one tomorrow, whatever. So the next day, a friend of mine came by. He had fabricated me a cart, right? And uh, he saw my racks. And he's like, hey, man, I'll help you get that third one off there. It'd be way easier with two people. And I was like, eh, I'm all right. I got the first two, you know? And he's like, man, it's going to be way easier. Just let me help you. I said, okay, right? And it was way easier, I tell you. It's crazy. When he helped me get that off, like, I don't know, it was probably 10 minutes from the time it came off the trailer and we put it up. Uh, where it was supposed to go. And uh, he even came back the next day and helped me get it bolted together, which I don't know how I would have done because we used the forklift to raise them up there, and I couldn't really do that by myself with a stick trying to, I don't know. It wouldn't have worked, okay? <laughs> but uh, together is always better. That's my point, okay? Together is better. Because you notice how going from one person to two people, it didn't even just cut the time in half. I mean, it took it down from like an hour per leg down to 10 minutes per leg. That's crazy. But together isn't always smooth, which leads me to my next point, which is together isn't always easy. Together can be messy because it creates vulnerabilities. But it is in this place that we grow. And it also takes work and it's inconvenient. And that's why it says, let us not neglect our meeting together because it isn't always easy. It takes work. And so, you know, you would think me being the small groups director that this would come naturally to me, and honestly, it doesn't, because I very much like to be alone. But before I really knew what Christianity was all about, like seriously, I could have just moved to the mountains, and Gina and I would have kept each other company for the rest of our lives, right? <laughs> but, uh, but I began to study the Word, and I realized that we are called to people. And because uh, before I didn't even have compassion for people, I did like my family and friends. But if I didn't know you, I just flat did not care about you. Uh, I wasn't rude, and I didn't want to harm you. I didn't, I didn't wish harm upon anyone, but I was just indifferent. You know, I was apathetic uh, towards others and their problems. But I recognized this, and I asked God for compassion. And I still make a point to seek Him for His heart for people. Because I know it's, it's super easy to get wrapped up in ourselves because we're in a culture of hurry. We're in a culture of busyness. And uh, yeah, you, you, you're not thinking about anybody else when you're in that hurry, when you're in that busy. And so, I, I mean, I know we are called to people. I know God put the vision of small groups on my heart because it is so opposite of my, what my flesh wants, my personality. Because I like to be alone, right? And, uh, but there, just let me just say real quick, too, there are benefits to solitude just like during this 21 days of prayer. We've been getting alone with God and seeking His will and His plan for our life. You know, Jesus sought solitude quite a bit. And even the Apostle Paul, when he was converted, he left for three years to seek God. But the keynote to take away here is when Jesus or anybody else went to be alone, 
the main goal wasn't to avoid people. It was to get in relationship with God. That's what they were doing. They were praying. They were seeking God. So it wasn't really solitude. They were working on a different relationship, the relationship with the Father, to get quiet and listen. So the main point of solitude wasn't really solitude, right? Uh, it's a personal relationship. So there's a balance here because there are a lot of people that don't like to be alone because they don't like their thoughts when it gets quiet. And that's why we need to renew our mind and realize who we are because it's in those quiet times that we should be thinking on the things of the Lord. Because honestly, being alone without God, it is dangerous because Satan will use that time uh, to remind you of your insecurities. He will take advantage of the situation if you aren't actively taking control of your thoughts and thinking on the, thinking on the thoughts of God. Uh, but, and then there's other people. There's some people who just love being around other people. They love to share probably a little too much with a little too many people. <laughs> you, know, you know who I'm talking about. Anyway. <laughs> people like me, though, who like to be alone uh, can be surrounded by people, yet you're still alone. Because odds are our biggest hurts, uh, the worst things that have happened to us have come from people. And when that happens, it makes it easy not to form close relationships. So a lot of us have this wall up that we don't let anybody pass. And, uh, but you can be surrounded by people, but not let anybody in. And this is dangerous also because the Bible does tell us that the, the devil is prowling around like a lion looking for someone he can devour. And so have you seen the, the Discovery Channel? Ever watch those with the lions or anything like that? Who do, the, who do they go after, you know? When there's a herd of gazelles or zebras or something, they spot that one in isolation. They will work as a team to put you in isolation, right? And then, uh, but in that giant herd, that zebra feels safe. And all it takes is for one little zebra to get wrapped up in itself eating, not realize the herd's moved on. It doesn't have to be very far away. They could just be 100 yards away. And all of a sudden, the zebra is now isolated. And it doesn't realize, it's all alone and it's, it's unaware that there's an enemy getting ready to pounce on it. Right, And this is crazy to me because this is almost the way we are in this world right now. We have never been so connected. right? We feel safe because we are so connected, yet we are so isolated. But you know, we can talk to people on the other side of the world. You know, we have hundreds of Facebook friends. We have hundreds of Instagram followers. But how many real close friendships do you have? How many real close people do you have that you can actually share your struggles with? You can tell them anything. Uh, you know, together isn't always easy, right? Because it's hard to do those things. But that's why together takes a choice. So this is, this is a, another beep beep, right? Because we've already had a couple beep beep. God's best for our lives involves relationships with people. The way we get together and develop these relationships is through small groups. Uh, this is because uh, we don't have enough time to form this kind of close relationships on a Sunday morning. And that's why we created small groups. We created them to facilitate that need that we need for close relationships, to find freedom. And we, we need, there was a need in the church. So that's what we did. And our vision is a no-limits life in God. That's why I love our church's name even, just no limits. And this type of life is going to include other people. And our new semester of small groups kicks off next week. Amen. So there is a group for everybody, and if you're having trouble getting signed up, come see Gene or I after church. We'll be back there, and we'll help you get signed up. I know it's not easy for some people to commit to a group, but I'm asking you just to press in to God's best for you, 
And uh, because you're going to form relationships with the right kind of people. Because I am very careful with who I share life with, and you should be too, because you want to get together with like-minded believers. That's what small groups is going to do. Because when you get together with people who are not Christians, they're only going to agree with your problems, right? I mean, it's almost easier to do that because they're just going to step right into your pity party, you know, throw their little party hat on, and you guys are just going to have a, your party's going to grow, right? That's easier than quitting your party. (laughs) So, but they're going to gossip with you, tell you how bad you have it. Not saying that some Christians aren't going to do this, but that's not what we're called to do as Christians. We are called to build each other up in the most holy faith, amen? We're supposed to encourage each other because that's what we are called to do as the body of Christ. So I have three things that you can expect to get from meeting together when we have small groups, okay? The first one is together we have wholeness. And that is the word that Pastor Cade got for this church for 2020. Together we have wholeness. And I'll show you this here in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 21. Now this is verses 12, 12 through 21. So it might take me a minute. Just hang on there with me. Don't Don't space out, okay? We're going to go through this and we'll talk about it. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that make it any less a part of the body? And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? The whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. So what the Apostle Paul was stressing here, did you guys hang in there with me? I know that was long. Okay. What the Apostle Paul was stressing here is we need each other. Okay. So not only do you need others to live your best life, but others need you to live their best life. You're not only hurting yourself when you're not getting together because you are a part of the body. So that's when we come together in agreement that we can see these awesome things happen for God. And this is because we all have something different to bring to the table. And we, we should bring out each other's best qualities. And we function so much better as a complete body anyway. But also together we have accountability. And it's easy to lose. I guess you're not really losing accountability when you're by yourself. When you're alone, you don't have accountability. You just do whatever you want. So we all need people in our lives that are not afraid to speak truth and love, right? So here's an example where uh, Paul confronts Peter about his hypocrisy. Galatians 2, 11 through 12. But Peter came to Antioch, and I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. So this is Paul speaking, but Peter was like a pillar of the church, right? This, this man walked and talked with Jesus, and, and uh, he was there through, through all of it. And Paul says, I confronted him right to his face because what he did was wrong. Took boldness. But this is what happened. So when he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile Christians who were not circumcised. But afterward, 
when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore because he was afraid of the criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. So James had sent some friends to check on Peter. Like, hey, Peter, what are you up to? And they noticed that he was eating with Gentiles, right? Well, most of the Christians at this point were just uh, Jews or Jewish Christians, I guess you would say. And uh, so they still had a lot of law left in them because as far as they were concerned, the, the gospel was sent to the Jews, not to the Gentiles. But Peter had actually just received a vision about how the gospel was for the Gentiles. You know, there was a sheep that came down and he was basically saying, don't call unclean what I've made clean. You need to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. So basically, Peter knew better. But uh, he was even eating with those Gentiles to begin with until he feared criticism of James's friends. So if you read through this whole story, though, you can tell how Paul, he is super respectful and he's real tactful. In fact, he actually went to Peter on Peter's home grounds, his turf, and he went and he met with him and the other leaders uh, just to make sure, he, to confirmation that he was doing was okay. He's like, look, I'm preaching to the Gentiles. I hope we're in agreement because I want us to be in agreement. And they're like, dude, you're good. We're good. But when Peter came to Paul's home ground, right, this is Paul's stomping ground. Now Peter is on his turf. Paul called him out for being a hypocrite, see? And, uh, and he was considered a pillar of the church. It's crazy. It takes boldness. So it's important that we don't surround ourselves with yes men or yes women, uh, especially people in leadership, because people will just tell you what you want to hear just because they want to some sort of gain some sort of personal gain is what they, they want from you. But we need to be around people who hold us accountable, but not out of arrogance or pride, but just because they genuinely care about us. Because I'm sure Paul didn't think Peter was intentionally trying to cause harm. But his actions were hypocritical, and they were starting to confuse other Jewish Christians, and they were starting to shun Gentiles also. So Peter called him, or Paul called him out on it. And there is no mention of a fallout between Peter or Paul here, right? So the other half of this is it's important to humble ourselves to godly correction. And uh, there's another half to accountability too, and that is when we're struggling with sin, uh, we have a small group of close friends that we can be open with, because when we do this, it is healing. James 5.16 tells us this. It says, Confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. For the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You know, just, this kind of sounds counterintuitive. You know, you kind of want to hide your sin. You just want to kind of put it away, almost ignore it until it comes back up. You know, just get rid of it. But when we confess our sins to one another, it shines a light on it. And when there is light, there cannot be darkness, okay? And so by doing this, you are acknowledging it. You're not only acknowledging it, really, but you're taking control of it. And your good friends are going to help you get out of sin, and they're also going to petition God on your behalf. They're going to pray for you on your behalf. So that's accountability. The third thing you can expect when you're getting in a group is together we have expectation, right? So when we come together, we should have expectation for all sorts of amazing things. Like We should have expectation for miracles. We should have expectation for healings. Because like I mentioned earlier, there is a supernatural power that happens when we get together and are in agreement. Acts 2, 1 through 4. I mean, this is the day of Pentecost. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were with 
one accord in one place. That means they were in agreement. They were standing together in one place. And suddenly there came a a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So Jesus had told them to wait in Jerusalem until they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that's what they were doing here. But you notice how they were all together in an agreement when this amazing thing, I mean, this was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's when this happened, when believers got together and they were in agreement. I mean, just go read through the whole book of Acts. I mean, and you'll see some crazy, miraculous things in there. In fact, we're going to talk about another one, and that's in Acts 12. It's Acts 12, 5. And this says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And this is, just, this is just an amazing story, how Peter was imprisoned. He was sentenced to be executed, right? There were 16 guards put into place to guard this one man because they knew that Christians had a tendency to get out of jail. Yeah. And, uh, so they, but they were in groups of four. And so there was four people that would guard him at all times through the watches of the night. And yet the church got together to pray for him. And an angel came and rescued him. And then when Peter went and arrived at the, the house where they were praying for him at, right? They didn't even believe it was him. They're like, who's at the door? No, that's not Peter. He's in jail. <laughs> you know, they didn't even, they weren't even believing that something that crazy could happen. But that's what they were praying for. Ain't that wild? So I just want to think, what kind of crazy, miraculous things can we expect if we get together and we are actually believing for them to happen? If we expect the supernatural to happen... What's going to happen? That's amazing. Because there is power in groups, and we should expect the same miraculous things today as it talks about in the Bible. And Jesus, Jesus even said in 18.20, verse, uh, Matthew 18.20, he said, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Right? So we know that God lives on the inside of us, and he will never leave us or forsake us. But there is a special corporate anointing when we meet together as a body of believers. And that is why it is important for us to continue to get together, and that is why we created small groups. Because small groups are an important piece of unlocking your no-limits life in Jesus. Amen? Amen. That's my message today, but I would like to pray for us before we get out of here today. So if you would just bow your head, maybe dim the lights down a little bit there. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this wonderful day. I thank you for this time that we get together as a church body, Father. I thank you for the anointing that is upon us when we get together as a church body. I thank you that you have good plans for everyone in here today, Father. I ask that you would help us to see those plans that you have for us and just show us step by step. For your word says that you are a lamp unto our feet. You show us one step at a time. And I thank you for that trust that we can put in you, that we can take that next step, and we can trust in your plan for us, and we can know that it is a good plan. Hmm. Well, Maybe you are here today and you haven't committed your life to Jesus. Maybe you don't have any close relationships because you just find it hard to trust people. Well, it all starts with trusting Jesus. Because when you come to him, he's already forgiven your sins. You can tell him anything. And if that's you and you are ready to give your life to him today, just raise your hand up real quick. All heads are bowed. 
Just raise your heads, hand up real quick. Put a small bit of action to your faith. Now we're going to pray together with you as a church. So church family, if you would just say this with me. Jesus, I am ready to live my life for you. Forgive me for trying to live life without you. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, if you decided to make God the Lord of your life today, invite Jesus into your heart. You can come speak to me after church. I'll try to answer any questions you may have. Then we'll, we'll get uh, you in touch with next steps, like what is uh, next for you. But also, don't forget that small groups open up next week. Registration is already open. Go online and sign up for a small group. If you're having trouble signing in or you're not sure where to find that, you can meet Gina and I. will both be in the front lobby after church. You can meet with us, and we'll get you signed up right there, and we can tell you what all the groups are about. Amen? Thank you, Chris. That's really good work. I appreciate it. You know, it's funny that uh, Chris is small groups director. He likes to be alone. I'm lead pastor. I like to be alone. So small groups are a stretch for both of us. But we, gosh, we got to be obedient to Scripture. So if you're like, man, small groups are hard for me, join the club. We're right there with you. Um, I'm believing for this semester of small groups to be the best semester of small groups that we've ever had, like deeper connections than we've ever had before. I'm serious. Like the purpose of small groups is for us to build relationships so we can find freedom. And that's exactly what's going to happen this semester. So if you're like, eh, nah, I, don't, I don't know if I'm really going to join one. Yeah, you are, because we all need to. So let's all do it because we know it's important. You know, the, the main reason to do it is because we want to be obedient to the Word of God. Because I don't know about you guys, but the Word of God, everything it says is truth. Sometimes you don't want to follow it. I get that. But if you do follow it, it's going to blow your mind with what it accomplishes. Amen. Well, if you came prepared to give today, here's how you do it. Um, if you're giving by cash or check, just raise your hand right now for an offering envelope, and one of our ushers will bring that to you. If you're giving with a debit or credit card, uh, they're about to throw the instructions on the screen behind me on how you can do that. If you're listening online right now, go ahead and head to your browser, type in nolimits.fyi, and then tap the giving button, and I'll get you right where you need to go. All right, let's pray over our offering. God, we thank you so much that you've given us the ability and, and the, the want to to give. God, we thank you uh, for this generous church and what you're doing through our generosity. Take this and multiply it and do big things with it. We trust you with that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give into our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And hey, if you were encouraged by this podcast, hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.